Amen. Good morning, Four Points Church. I am so glad to be back in South Carolina. Listen, I have been in Indianapolis, Indiana for the past few days, and it is cold up there. I am not made for that kind of cold. I'm made for like the balmy 55 we're going to have today. That's what I'm made for. Listen, I am so excited about the new series that we are starting today. It is called The Next Right Thing. And I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I need some direction for what my next right thing is. Can y'all relate to that? Like someone just tell me what to do. That's what I say when it's time to cook dinner. Y'all just tell me what to cook, right? Just tell me what to cook and I'll cook and I just don't want to have to think of it. Okay, so I want to figure out who the people are in this room who are like me in an area. How many of y'all are people who are really great at coming up with a grandiose plan to accomplish something in your life and then you fall a little short in the execution? Is there anybody in this room who is like that? Okay, when my kids were little, I was the queen of sticker charts to try to get them to do things, like to go potty, for example. You know, every five stickers, after they go potty, then they get a prize. I really thought it would work, and it really didn't. They didn't follow my plan. Same thing with, like, cleaning the playroom and the chores and all of that. I was the queen of a sticker chart. How many of y'all have ever decided something like, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to start on January 1st. I'm going to go through it either chronologically or I'm going to read something from the Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverb every day. Have y'all ever done that? And then you get to about Leviticus and you're going, what is happening here? I thought God loved me. This, this is making no sense. How am I supposed to know what a cubit is? Anybody? Anybody feel that way? What about a New Year's resolution? Is there anybody who has made some sort of grand resolution on January 1st and then not accomplished it by the time you circle back around the next January 1st? Y'all be honest. Okay, right? We are great as human beings at coming up with a grand plan to accomplish something. And listen, all of those things I just talked about are great plans, right? Like our kids need to go in the potty. Somebody better say amen, right? Like that's a good thing. It is a good thing to read through the Bible. It is a good thing sometimes to make these resolutions. But what happens is that when we have to actually do the things that get us to the accomplishment of the goal, we fall astray. And I think the reason for that is we have the wrong mindset. I want to share with you all some statistics that I found this week just about New Year's resolutions. So I I uncovered the fact that about 45 million Americans will go on a diet every single year. January 1st, 45 million Americans will say, okay, this is going to be the year. And do you know how many of us actually accomplish that? 8% of us stick with it. 92% of us say, forget this. This is too hard. I even discovered that there is a company, y'all, who does research on New Year's resolutions. Pretty funny. And they have discovered that there is a day when they actually call it fall off the wagon day, when the number of gym visits decreases and the number of fast food visits increases. And where those cross is called fall off the wagon day. And typically that falls in February. Y'all, we don't even make it two months. We don't even make it two months where we're going to the McDonald's to get us some French fries. Listen, that is the way of human beings, isn't it? We make a grand plan. We have this grand vision of what we want to accomplish. And those things are even good things. But we don't always do well with execution. And and what I said before with the mentality, I think that's the problem. We adopt this mentality that it has to be all or nothing, right? 
Like with New Year's resolutions, if your resolution is to lose weight, to go on a diet, typically what we say are very foolish things like, okay, I'm giving up all carbs. Y'all, your body needs some carbohydrates. Don't give them all up. We say things like, I'm only going to eat at home. I'm not going to eat out. We say things like, I'm giving up all chocolate. Jesus did not want you to give up all chocolate. We make these, these absolutes in our lives. And we say, if I do something other than the absolute I set, then I have failed. Because an all or nothing mentality very rarely leads to all, right? It usually ends up leading to nothing. We think it has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, we think, well, I have failed and I might as well just give up. That's what we do in our Bible reading, right? Well, I missed today. I I might as well just stop. We don't realize, like, you can just read it the next day and it's fine. It's easier to give up than it is to keep going. And so what we're going to be talking about today is what do we do with those big plans? If we know that we as human beings fail in the execution, how do we ever get to accomplishing a big goal? When we slip up, here's the first thing, we can't give up. When we slip up, we can't give up because we're going to mess up, y'all. Our humanity is going to get in the way. Our kids are not going to follow our sticker charts. We are not going to be able to do everything every single day in a perfect way. That's not the way life works. This is what we have to remember. In order to do something big, we just have to first do what's next. We all have goals and plans in our lives as individuals and as a church. Think about your own individual life right now. What is a goal that you have? Me personally, I have two kids who are almost teenagers. My my second child will be a teenager in December. And my goal for their life is to raise them to really love Jesus. Like not just to go to church, but to really know who he is and know how to love him and how to serve him and how to hear from him. That's a goal that I have. That's a lofty goal, right? Mamas of teenagers, y'all know what I'm talking about. That's a lofty goal because there's so many things vying for their attention. A goal in your life might be something, bless you, at work. It might be something at work that you feel called to do, that you know God has put me here to accomplish this thing in my workplace. Maybe it is something else. But the point is we all have something that we're working towards, right? Maybe maybe some of you are are working to beat an addiction to something. Maybe you are a few days sober and that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to accomplish that goal of being free from a substance. We all have goals. Here at Four Points Church, don't we all have a goal? We have a common mission, right? If you have been here for more than one week, hopefully you know the mission of this church, and that is to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see people's lives change. That is the mission. That's, that's who we are. And, y'all, when I think about that, I get excited. I come to this place every single day, and I am thrilled to be part of a church that doesn't just want to gather on a Sunday morning and listen to good music. That's not who we are, right? Like, we want to be part of changing people's lives. I get excited that when we do sing those songs, we're not just singing them, but we are declaring those truths that what we can't see in full, we're going to prophesy until it comes true. I get excited to think that there are people within walking distance of this church who do not know Jesus, but who will because we exist. Y'all, that gets me jacked up. 
That excites me to know that this place is going to make an impact for the kingdom of God. It excites me to know that we are feeding hungry people, that we are serving underprivileged kids in our community who would not have a Christmas without us. It excites me to think that there is land just down the road with our name on it that is going to be the permanent house of Four Points Church. Y'all, I get excited when I think about reaching that mission. But can I be honest? It also can feel a little overwhelming if I stop to think about what it's going to take to get there. Here's what I want us to think about this morning. What would it look like for a church like us, not just to have a mission statement that sounds good, but to actually accomplish it? It can get a little overwhelming if we think about reaching thousands of people for Jesus in this community. That's a lot. So what do we need to do? we got to break it down, right? we got to think about reaching one person for Jesus. we got to think about the next right thing that we can do today that will move us in the direction of reaching our ultimate mission. Because if not, we're going to be like the Americans who adopt those New Year's resolutions and give up because it's all or nothing, right? Like if we don't achieve it all today, we're going to quit. That's not Four Points Church. What we're going to do is our next right thing to move us to the mission of reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely. And now listen to me. We as a church are only going to go as far as you as an individual are willing to go. In order for us as a church to reach the least, lost, and lonely, you as an individual have to take a step to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely. And let me give you an example. There have been times I have had to set my alarm at 5 a.m. so I can go have coffee with somebody before work because that's the only time they had available in their day, but they needed an ear. That might be a sacrifice that you and I have to make. For some of you, making the sacrifice of giving your first tithe offering to this church, that will be a step that you have to take because you're going to believe that God's going to do something with that. That's a sacrifice you might have to make. For some of you, you've been wanting to start serving. You've been wanting to join a community group, but you're not quite sure how. You're not quite sure if you can put yourself out there. That might be your next right step. I had somebody stop me last week and say, okay, I want to get involved. What do I do? Y'all, that takes boldness. It takes courage to say, I don't know, but I want to know. We as individuals have to be willing to take a next step to reach the least lost and lonely so we as a church can take steps to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely. We will go as far as you as individuals are willing to go, as I as an individual am willing to go. We can't let ourselves get overwhelmed by all of the steps thinking we have to take all of them at once. No, we just have to do the next right thing. We have to do the reality of the day-to-day work. To do something big like we've been called to do, we start by doing what's next. Major plans are accomplished in the minor things. And I want us, before we get to the details of accomplishing those things, before we get to that, I want us to understand who we are. We have to know who we are before we know what we can do. So I want you to look at this verse from 2 Corinthians. Okay, it's going to be up on the screen here. And this is what the scripture says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's those of you in this room who are Jesus followers, who have given your life to him, who have submitted, who have surrendered and said, yes, I am in this thing. I am following Jesus. If that's you, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, does that mean physically on the outside you look completely different? Unfortunately, no, right? Like I'm still still graying, still getting wrinkles, all of that. But I am a new 
creation. I want you to think about what that means. Before you accepted Jesus, and those of you who have not chosen to follow Jesus yet, this is you, okay, or this was you. You were separated from God because of your sin. There was a divide between you and him where you could not get to him. You were not in relationship with him. And the punishment for that, the punishment for your sin for eternity is separation from him. But once you accept Jesus Christ, there is no longer that divide between you and God. There is no longer a chasm that you can't cross because Jesus makes the way for you. So you now, the new self, the new creation is one that is back in right relationship with God. You are what we call reconciled with him. That is how you are a new creation. But I want you to understand something very important this morning. That just because you are a new creation does not mean that you are a perfect creation. You are new, but you are not yet perfect. You are not yet exactly what you need to be. And that's why we have to do what the next two verses that I'm going to share with you tell us to do. I want you guys to look at Romans 12.2. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's the old us, right? The one that that just does whatever the world wants us to do. If it feels good, do it, right? That hedonistic kind of society. Don't do that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So although we are new creations, we are still in the transformation process. Do you get that? And the only way for us to be transformed is through the renewing of our mind, Now, our bodies are wasting away, right? Those of you who are aging like I am, you know things are changing. But through the renewing of our mind, we are transformed into a newer creation. The old has gone. The new has come in that we are saved from our sin. But we are also new in that we are becoming more like Jesus. So through the renewing of our mind, look at the next one. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. We are new creations, but we are still earthly beings. And as a result, we have an earthly nature that wants and desires to do certain things that God is asking us not to do. And so where you and I are this morning is on that path to transformation. We are saved. We are back in a relationship with God if we have trusted Jesus. But we are being transformed. And guys, listen to me. The only way we can be transformed is to take our next right step. It's not like God snaps and we're completely perfect and we never want to sin again and we never want to follow our own way and we give up all control to him. That's not how it works. No, daily when we surrender and we submit, we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's where we are today. And so our next right step is being renewed so that we will have the mind of Christ, so that we will want to accomplish the things of Christ. Do you see how it's all connected there? In order to accomplish the huge mission that God set you on this planet for, in order for us as a church to accomplish the mission of reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely, we as individuals have to start with being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to start with those baby steps to become more and more and more like Jesus. And that gets the ball rolling so that ultimately we can accomplish the mission. You see, it's not an all or nothing proposition right now. It's not pass or fail. It's not 100% or nothing. No, it's daily in this moment, what is the next right thing for me to do 
so I can play the role God has asked me to play in my own individual life and in the life of this church and in the life of his kingdom that is on this planet. That's where we are today. That's what we're figuring out. What does that next right thing look like for us? We are new, but we are not yet perfect. I heard an interview this week with someone who was talking about how so many of us in the church today desire spiritual perfection, and that's what we're pursuing But we forget that it starts with spiritual formation. We have to allow Christ to form us so that we can be who he wants us to be. I don't know if you have a personality like I do, but I desire perfection in everything. Like I do. I know it's a fault of mine. It can get really annoying for the people around me. Katie, Austin, I'm sorry. Like sometimes I'm just a perfectionist, right? And sometimes I desire that perfection so much that I have a tight grip on my life. And God is saying, open your hands, release it to me, and I will form you into what I need you to be, which is not perfect, but is usable. Usable is always better than perfect, guys. Always. And so this morning, the question before us is, how do we do that? How do we let him form us? How do we let him transform us and renew us? I think it starts with this. I want you to look at this verse in Galatians. Galatians 5.25, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, this verse applies to people who are following Jesus. When we follow Jesus, when we submit and surrender to Him, His Spirit comes to live inside of us. And since we live by the Spirit, right, by His guiding and by His leading, it says we have to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, the reason I was in Indianapolis for the past few days is that I went up there for the National Marching Band Competition to see my son perform, okay? Um, He is a freshman in high school, and this is his first year in marching band. He's following in his mama's footsteps because I was in the marching band too. I played the flute, and I was drum major for a couple of years. And as I was watching the bands this weekend, they were so talented. They were so good, but it made me think back to when I was in the band just like five years ago, right? You know, not that long ago. And I was thinking about when I was a rookie, okay? When I first started in the marching band, one of the things that I had to learn, that my son had to learn, was how to stay in step. Now, if you were in the military, you might have had to learn this as well. Those of you who have ever been in a band, you have to learn to hear the cadence, right? You have to learn to hear the beat that your, your footsteps are supposed to fall into. You can't just step whenever you want to, but you have to step in time. And when I was first entering the band, that was a very unnatural thing. I could not figure out how I was going to stay in step and play my instrument and do all the things that I was supposed to do at once because I am highly uncoordinated. But over time, as I learned to hear the drumbeat, I knew that's when my foot was supposed to fall. Left, 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 like that's how it goes, right? Like you just, you learn it. So what, what, what was once very unnatural for me became natural. Do y'all see where I'm going with this? This verse tells us we have to stay in step with the Spirit. How do we stay in step with the Spirit? By hearing His cadence, by listening for that beat, by knowing it, by consciously being aware of it. Then ultimately what's going to happen is it's going to become more natural. It's going to be the natural rhythm that we flow in. When we pursue the Spirit, when we know the Word of God, we are are over time, doesn't happen overnight, but over time, going to be able to more naturally stay in step with the Spirit. 
Now listen to this. When I was watching those bands this weekend, there were very few students who were out of step because they were very good. But was it noticeable when somebody was out of step? Yeah. When I was drum major, we had this formation in one of our shows that was a block and that it moved across the field. And so what happened was I had these straight lines of people in front of me. And so every four steps, somebody would cross the 50-yard line. We had one girl who probably had very many other talents, but marching was not one of them. And she had a very hard time hitting the yard line at the right time. And so what I would do as I was conducting is I would say to her, line, line, two, three, four, line. So she knew when she was hitting the yard line. It was unnatural for her, but she needed somebody, needed somebody to help her keep in step. Y'all, we need sometimes people to help us keep in step, right? We need somebody giving us a cue. We need somebody to say, I know that you're not naturally good at this. I know this is an area you struggle, but I'm going to help you. That's what I did for her. And I remember it to this day, y'all. That was probably 25 years ago. But I remember that. She needed some help, so I would say line when she needed it. That's what the body of Christ is for, y'all, to help each other stay in step. Because if we're not in step, we're not going to perform as well as we're supposed to, right? We will suffer if we have people who are with us who are not in step with the Spirit. That's why we need each other. We've got to stay in step with the Spirit. We're going to be in the book of James next. And the book of James is a great book of advice if you need to learn how to stay in step with the Spirit. There are some very specific instructions here. And so where I want us to look is in James 4. But one of the verses at the beginning of this book says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's what we're talking about today, y'all. Learning what the Word of God says, then doing what the Word of God says so we can stay in step with the Spirit. I want you to look at James 4, verses uh, 7 through 10. This is what we're told. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. And that means over your sin, acknowledging kind of your, your true state. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Be broken over your sin. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and then he will lift you up. I love this passage, y'all, because it gives us verbs, right? Like it gives us things to do. It gives us specific instructions. If we are those kinds of people who want to know our next right step, James is telling us, right? Look at what it tells us to do. Just look at the actions. It says, submit yourselves to God. Resist, come near, wash, purify, grieve, mourn, well, change, humble, if you are in a station in life right now where you don't know exactly what God is asking of you for your individual life, like if there's a situation in your life where you don't know what your next right thing is and God hasn't made it very clear to you, guess what? He's given us some general directions. And that's what we need to fall back on. When we don't know the specifics for our own lives, we have to fall back on the general directions that he's given us. And it starts with submission. Y'all, this is a good one. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you are with God right now in this room, this is a direction for you. If you are in this room this morning and you don't know that you can believe 
God, if you don't know that you can believe in him or trust that Jesus is your savior, if you don't know that you can believe in Jesus, if you don't know that God is good and that he is for you, you can make a choice in this moment to submit yourself to him. If you're in this room this morning and you do know Jesus as your savior, guess what? You still got submitting you need to do. I think I have more submission that needs to happen in my heart today as a follower of Jesus than I did maybe before I became a follower of Jesus. Y'all, the more I know God, the less certain I am of anything. Does anybody else feel that way? I have more questions today than I think I've ever had before about God and what he says and, and what I'm supposed to be doing and what his will is. I have so many questions, but you know where it all begins? Submission. It all begins with submission. God, I don't know this, but I'm submitting that you are still good. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, but I'm trusting that you will provide a way. You see, all of us have a next right step, a next right thing to do when it comes to submitting to God. Here at Four Points Church, we have what we call the Four Points Stance. If you've been around for a while, you probably know these four statements. If you've been through our uh, Discover Four Points class, you have heard them taught. But there are four statements we have here at this church that sort of govern everything that we do, right? There's statements of what we believe, and we always filter all of the decisions we make through those four things. Today, I'm going to be talking about two of them. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the other two. The first one I want to address today is the simple statement that we believe God. And listen, that sounds so elementary, doesn't it? It sounds so simple, like, okay, you're a church. Yeah, you should believe God. Y'all, there's more to believe in God than believe in God. Yes, y'all get what I'm saying? Like, it's not just believing in God. No, it's believing that God has a purpose for our lives. It's believing that what we can't yet see is still going to come true. It is believing that if we prophesy that promise, it will come to fruition because he cannot lie. He cannot go against his word. Believe in God, y'all is the first step no matter where you are today. Believing him, submitting to him is everybody's best, next, right thing. Where you sit this morning, God is saying to you in some area of your life, will you believe me? Will you believe that I hear you when you speak to me? Will you believe me that I'm going to take care of you even though it feels like everything is falling apart? Will you believe that I have a plan for this church? Will you believe my word? Will you believe that I am good? Will you believe that I sent my son Jesus so I could get to you, so that you could get to me? God is asking us to believe him this morning. That's the first thing, y'all, in the, uh, the four-point stance because that's the major thing. We got to do that before we can do anything else. We have to believe him. But it goes back to what I said earlier. Sometimes we need other people to tell us, right, where we are with God. We need sometimes for other people to say, hey, here's the line. Step here. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm telling some of you this morning, your next right step is to believe God and to submit to him and to choose to follow him as your Savior and Lord. Submit to God. Believe God. That is our next right step no matter where we are this morning. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do it. We believe God. Listen, in James, the very next thing that it says to do after submit yourselves to God is another action step. What was it? Resist the devil. 
Y'all, I do not think that you can separate those two. Because if you're going to believe God, you're going to have to resist the devil. And if you're going to resist the devil, you're going to have to believe God. And I think for so many people, we are trying to do step two of resisting the devil without believing God. We are trying in our own power to say, no, Satan, you have no authority here. Can I tell you something? If you are not covered by the blood of Jesus, Satan does have authority over you because he is the prince of this world. Listen to me. If you are trying to resist the devil in your own power and you are not following Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are unable to resist the devil. You you can't do it. You will fall prey to that temptation that he brings into your life every time. And if there is one thing I know to be true, y'all, it is that we have an enemy. When it says to resist the devil, he's real. I know it because I've felt it. I know it because I have seen him. I've seen his work in my life. The word of God says that Satan is a roaring lion, that he is prowling around seeking to someone to devour. Do y'all ever feel like you're getting eaten up? That's why, because you have an enemy who is trying to devour you. The Word of God says that Satan is our adversary, that he is the father of lies. And y'all, I fall prey to this so often where a little lie will come into my mind and I will believe it. And before I know what's happening, I'm spiraling out of control. Like I'm in the depths of despair because I believed one little bitty lie that the enemy brought against me. What we're told here in the book of James is to resist the devil How do we resist the devil? We resist the devil by knowing the word of God. Y'all, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, what did he do? He spoke truth. He spoke the word of God against Satan. That's what you and I have to do as well. To resist the devil, we have to know the word of God. And it goes back to believing the word of God, believing that he has power over our enemy. Submit to God, resist the devil. What does that look like in your life today? Where is Satan coming against you today? In your mind, in your body, at your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, in your health? Where is he coming against you? You have the authority to resist him. You know what I loved when we were singing this morning, when we were worshiping? When we sang the line, fear can go to hell and shame can go there too. Can I tell you that was the most movement I've seen in this room because people are raising their hands. There is something that we need when we say fear can go to hell, shame can go there too. Guys, listen, we have the authority as followers of Jesus Christ to tell all of those things every day that they can go to hell where they came from. Because the blood covers us. Those things, the fear and the shame, the despair, the depression, all of those things, they can go to hell where they came from because they were created by our enemy. They were not created by our God. We have that authority. We have to choose to act on it. We have to choose to walk in it. We have to choose to keep in step with the Spirit on those things. Come near to God is the next step. Guys, listen. We submit to him, we resist the devil, then we come near to God. And I want you to think about this. It sounds delightful, doesn't it, to come near to God? Why would anybody not want to come near to him? If he is a loving father, if he is compassionate and full of grace, why would we not want to come near to him? Here's the answer. It's because it requires risk and vulnerability, right? It requires risk and vulnerability. About eight years ago, I was a newly single mom of two young kids. I had been through a a really hard divorce, and I was scared, and I was lonely, and everything in my life was in turmoil. And then in walks this bald-headed man into my life who decided that he wanted to come near to me. 
And y'all, can I tell you, I was scared. When you have been hurt in an area, don't you naturally build up some defenses? Like you, you put on some armor, you build a wall because it's painful to think about getting hurt in that same area again. So Josh wanted to come near to me. He was pursuing me. He wanted that relationship with me. He was trying to come near to me and I sort of kept him at arm's length for a while. Even though we entered into a relationship, it was a while before I really let him come near me. Y'all know the difference, right? It was a while before I let him come near to me because I was scared. Some of you this morning might be scared of the God who is trying to come near. And I'm here to tell you, if you will take the risk and let yourself be vulnerable, it will be the most beautiful relationship that you ever could imagine. He wants to come near to you, but the first step is you coming near to Him. He's not going to come in and kick down that wall. He's going to wait for you to give permission for it to be dismantled. I had to do that with Josh. I had to let those walls crumble. I had to let those bricks fall away. Some of you this morning, God is inviting you, please, please come near to me. I want you to be near me. But it starts with you coming near to Him. Coming near requires vulnerability, but it's always worth the risk. And guys, this leads right into the second of our four-point stance statements that we're going to talk about today, and that is that we do life together. Listen, why do we do life together? Because we help each other come near to God. It is so hard to be a follower of Jesus in isolation. You are more vulnerable to the work of the enemy. You are more vulnerable to the emotions that can overwhelm you than you are when you are in community with other people. Listen, this very week, y'all, I was struggling with something. I was having a hard time with something and I wanted to reach out to my girlfriends. I picked up my phone at one point and I typed out a text and I deleted it because I did not want them to know, number one, that I was struggling. And number two, I did not want to feel like I was a burden to them. Can I tell y'all something? That is sin. It was sin on my part to try to carry that struggle on my own. It's not just a bad idea to try to do this life on our own, but it is sin. And I want to prove this to you from the Word of God. In Hebrews, this is what it says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us again draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching you see I needed people to spur me on but my unwillingness to admit my need was sin I was preventing them from being able to carry my burdens and to help lift my load. 
And listen, I could chalk that up to my personality, right? Like I am naturally an introvert. I'm naturally a very private person. I'm naturally somebody who has a hard time opening up and letting other people come near to me. But I don't get to continue to be what I naturally am because I have been made new, right? And in new, I am a member of the body of Christ. Therefore, I have the responsibility to lean on other people and let them lean on me. And when I choose to stay in isolation, and be a body part all to myself, guess what? That is sin. And I have to do what it said in the book of James, grieve, mourn, and wail over that and repent. I was wrong not to reach out this week when I needed people because that hurt the whole body. I want you to listen to this scripture from Galatians 6 verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We have to let other people help carry our burdens. Some of you today feel like you are being weighed down. You feel like there is a load on you that you cannot come out from under. And I'm here to tell you, the body of Christ is here to help carry your burdens. But you have to be willing to do life together. You know, sometimes that means taking the first hard step, sending that text message, going to the next steps desk and saying, okay, where can I get plugged, ha- plugged in? How can I have a community? But when you do that, people will be there to help carry your burden. Y'all listen, that's why Four Point Church exists. We exist to show people Jesus and to help them walk this thing out. That's what we're here for. Y'all, I look out over this room and I see the faces of people who I have walked with through some really hard stuff. We have carried each other's burdens. We are in this moment carrying each other's burdens. But again, coming near, just like coming near to God, coming near to people requires vulnerability and it requires risk. But it is worth it. It is so worth it to know that there are people who are going to hold you up when you feel like you are about to fall down. We believe God and we do life together. Listen, we can call it being self-sufficient when we're by ourselves. We can call it control. We can call it all these things. But at the end of the day, we got to call it sin. And here's what I want you to understand. As we think about where we are now and where we are going as individuals and as a church, we cannot escape this truth that your next right thing will affect our next right thing. We are so connected as followers of Christ, as members of the same body, as people who worship together in a community. We are so connected that whatever your next right thing is, is meant to impact all of us together with our next right thing. We as a church are only going to go as far as you as an individual are willing to go. And so if you say, you know what, I'm not going to set my alarm early to get up and go meet with somebody. I'd rather sleep in. Guess what? That hurts us all. If you say, you know what, my money is my money and I'm not going to give to the church. Guess what? that affects us all. If you say, you know what, there are other people who are serving in all these different areas. That's not really for me. It ends up hurting us all because our next right thing as a church always depends on your next right thing as an individual. We can't go farther as a group than you as an individual are willing to go. And I say this this morning, not to convict you, but to challenge you because I know the Holy Spirit is speaking the same thing to you. These are not my words, y'all. This is from God that we as a body are interconnected. I want you to look at the scriptural truth of where that comes from. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
This is lengthy, but it's important. So stick with me. The body is a unit. We are a body. We're a unit, but it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Okay, so whether you're from Greenville or Spartanburg or Sugar Tit, wherever you're from, right? We are all one body. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of it. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Y'all listen, we might have 500 people willing to work in the parking lot, but if nobody's working in the kids area, what happens to our body? I want you to think about the part of the body you were made to be. We all can't be ears. We all can't be eyes. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them. Y'all think about the beauty of that. He's arranged it. If you look at a newborn baby and you see all of the parts that are working so beautifully together to create that little life, that is just a visual of what you and I are as the body of Christ. He arranged us that way so that we could accomplish what He's asked of us. He arranged them just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now listen to this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You cannot look to the church and say the church doesn't need me because it does. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, you might think you have nothing to offer. It says here you're indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, meaning no matter where you came from or what you've done or what your past has been, there is a place for honor, place of honor for you in the kingdom of God. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and given greater honor for the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Y'all listen, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Pastor Stephen spoke on this at our staff meeting this week and reminded us as a staff, we are all one. And as a church, we are all one. You are important and you matter, not just to four points, but to the kingdom. And you cannot look to the kingdom and say, oh, I'm just me. I'm just a foot. I'm just a hand. I have no role to play because what would happen without you? Listen to me. A human body can work without certain parts, but it never works the way that it was supposed to work. You might have your gallbladder taken out, but there's going to be a consequence, right? Your body's going to function a little bit differently. A foot may be amputated, but it's going to work a little bit differently in the body if that foot is not there. If you are not playing the role you were created to play in the body of Christ, the body will continue, right? The kingdom of God is not going anywhere, but your part will be missing. And that's part of my invitation for you today is to ask God, okay, what is my part? What did you create me to love to do? What did you create me to feel this this burning desire to accomplish? 
And then whatever it is, take the next right step in that thing. Listen to me. If you go back to where we started with us having a grand vision and then getting bogged down in the details, that's where we are right now. We're in the details. There is a detail in your life right now that needs attending to. There is a next right step for each one of you, for each one of us today. And our responsibility is to ask the Spirit of God to show us what that is and then to keep in step with the Spirit. I want you to think about that verse. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Doesn't that imply action on our part? Jesus is not going to come down and move your legs for you. you got to take a step. Take a step to be in step with the Spirit, to listen for His cadence. He is not trying to hide it from you. Just as a snare drum is undeniable, the Spirit of God is undeniable. You're going to hear it when you ask for it. This morning, I know, I know that I know there is somebody in this room who is questioning, can I believe God? Can I trust this Jesus person? Am I supposed to surrender my life to Him? And my answer for you on the authority of the Word of God is yes. That Jesus Christ died to be your Savior, to bring you back into a relationship with God. When it says in the Bible to submit to God, that's what it means. Does it say to understand everything about Him? No. But submit to Him, draw near to Him, and then the result is He will draw near to you. Some of you this morning, that's your next right thing, is to give your life to Jesus. Some of you this morning, your next right step is to submit in an area where you have been holding on, where you have tried to have control. Your step is to submit. All of our steps are to resist the devil. All of our steps are to come near to God. It looks different for us as individuals, but we all have a next right step. And James, he tells us what those steps are. Listen to me, Four Points Church. We are stepping We are stepping like those marching bands. We're stepping across those fields this week. We have a formation we're going to get in. We have a common goal that we're going to accomplish. And we are inviting you to be part of us because if you choose something other than Jesus, your part in the body of Christ will be missing. We don't want that for you. We don't want that for God's kingdom. So the invitation for you this morning is how are you going to submit? Are you going to submit by giving your life to Jesus? Are you going to submit to being in step with the Spirit? He's asking all of us this morning to submit. I want you all to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you in this moment. Y'all listen, if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your next right thing is, He will. He might not give you all the details. He might not give you a dissertation on what it's going to look like, but he will whisper something to you to empower you to take your next right step. I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning. And if you are in this room and you want to give your life to Jesus because you've never done it before, but you feel his spirit pulling on you to submit to him this morning, I'm going to ask you to be bold right now and to put your hand up in the air. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you. We just want to acknowledge that you have entered into the kingdom of God. If that's you, put your hand in the air, and then you can just put it right back down. For everybody else, I'm going to ask you to put your hand in the air in just a second. And this is what I'm going to ask of you. If God has whispered something to you this morning that is your next right step, your next right thing, and you are agreeing to walk out in obedience, to stay in step with His Spirit, I want you to just put your hand up in the air so I can pray for you. If you know the Spirit is telling you to take a next right step, 
You can put your hands back down. Four points, listen to me. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you that will blow your mind if you will stay in step with His Spirit. He has a plan for this church that's gonna blow our minds because we are staying in step with His Spirit. He's gonna use you. He's gonna use us. And we are gonna trust him together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And God, we are asking you to help us to hear your cadence, to stay in step with your spirit. And when we get out of step, God, we are praying for brothers and sisters to get us back in, to help us to know the rhythm that we are to walk to. God, we wanna be a people of the next right thing. We wanna be a people of staying in step with your spirit. We need your power to do it, God, but we are agreeing that we're going to take the step forward, that we are going to march into the calling that you have for us. Thank you, God, for who you are. And we just pray that you will enable us this week to hear the cadence of your spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen.